Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're reading the second of Nancy Grace's Haley Dean Mysteries, Death on the D-List, <laughs> and determining whether or not it classifies as a cozy mystery. But first, we're going to share what's making us feel cozy this week. Now you'll notice I use the fireplace sound for that. That's because there will be no cozy locations. We're making a change. Jillian. Yeah. We're shaking it up. What's happening? So basically, we noticed that the cozy locations and what's making us feel cozy this week are pretty similar and they often bleed into each other. And we've been we've mixed them up at times. Yeah. And so in, we don't want to be repetitive and draw things out for unnecessary reason. So right. we're just going to do what's making us feel cozy this week, whether it be a location, a show, book, whatever. And the other thing is, to be quite honest, some weeks it's a real challenge. It's a challenge. Think, think it's like a, I go nowhere sometimes. Yeah. Think of a location and a thing that's making me feel cozy. Tough. Yeah. Locations are for sure tough. Yeah. So we're going to condense it into just an opening warm up. What's making us feel cozy this week. Mm-hmm. We feel like that is the better one to go with. And of course, locations will be uh, embedded in that. So we'll still be bringing up our favorite cozy locations. We just won't call that out in a separate segment. Yeah. So on that note, here we go. The inaugural only what's making us feel cozy (laughs) this week segment. Jillian, would you care to get us started? Sure. So it's a show on Netflix called Designated Survivor. (laughs) Wait, is that about the president who... He's a secretary of state. Oh, I thought that was on CBS. Oh, it probably got moved to Netflix. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah, so that's where I'm watching it. Um, And two seasons are on. So the premise isn't exactly cozy. The whole... Well, I don't want to do any spoilers, but basically this man becomes the president, Kiefer Sutherland. Is that how you say his name? Yes. Because he was a designated survivor during a terrorist attack and he becomes the president. And so that premise doesn't sound cozy, but he is the kindest, most thoughtful, measured president ever. And he's very humble. And so to hit him and himself is cozy, but it's like a utopia world where they go to pass common sense gun laws and it passes and it works. Oh my goodness. So, so it's a fantasy land. It's a fantasy land. Yeah. So it's making me feel cozy. Like in the wake of the terrorist attacks, this one governor go, you know, he does his own thing and he starts sending his cops to beat up Muslims but the president stops it. And imagine. And, and so it's like this, yeah, this utopia where the president does everything you would want him to. Yeah. But he's also a sweet guy and it, Brings me back to a you know a time also in political shows where there's a res- respect in the, in the halls of the White House. I don't know. There was respect for the office. Respect to the office, and so yeah. it makes me feel cozy. And I, I don't know, Keeper Sutherland. I never really thought about him before. He never. I don't know if he's a particularly cozy person, but he is in this role. Mm-hmm. So and it's, it's bingeable. So there you go. Two seasons. You can watch it. That's a great choice. I was wrong. I just checked it was on ABC originally, okay. but it's on Netflix now. Yeah. That reminds me of The West Wing mm-hmm. because during the Bush years, it was a similar thing where people would escape to, you know, the Bartlett presidency to imagine, what if we had a Democrat in the White House? Yeah, it was really nice. And he's actually an independent in the show, which is also interesting because it's not necessarily like, okay, there's one political affiliation, but... And it's very timely and all the topics that you wish, okay, this, you know, common sense gun laws, bigotry, there's a billion other things, border crisis stuff. It always works out in the way that you would hope it to in real life. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a nice 
place to escape to. And escape is always cozy, in my opinion. You just pretty much sold me on the series. I'm interested in starting it now. Yeah, you should. I think you like it. I love political shows like that. Yeah. Right now, I'm staring down the barrel of the final season of House of Cards. Oh, God. We tried it last night. I've gotten this far. I have to finish it. I know. I feel the same way, but it's very painful. <laughs> and for how good it was, too. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I have to end the journey. It's Really, the last two seasons, I struggled through. And if I can get through those last two seasons, I can finish it up. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bitter pill to swallow, but... What's making me feel cozy this week is a visitor I had uh, over the weekend. We were pulling into our driveway when we sort of spooked a cat running it up. And we were like, oh, this cat is scared. And I saw it immediately. Like, I I feel like um, Elmira from uh, Tiny Toons, like that little girl who squeezes all of her pets (laughs) too hard and they want to escape her. I immediately get out of the car and like start like running after the cat, like trying to like get it to come back. And I succeeded. Oh. And so we made a, a new friend. And it, he was this, he is this big gray cat. Uh, do you know who he belongs to? It's a stray. I oh. mean, he's friendly. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's not feral because he's friendly and he likes getting petted and just hung out with us on our porch. I, Aww, that's sweet. The funniest thing was that I didn't have any food. I'm a vegetarian, so I don't have any food for a cat. And so immediately I'm thinking, because I've been fantasizing about this moment, by the way, for years. I've, because, I, because my husband is allergic to cats, I can't have a cat. And I always want one. And so I've been fantasizing f- about neighborhood cats like coming to our apartment and hanging out with me like mm-hmm. through the door, basically. Oh. It's like the best I can do. And finally, I had one visit, but I, it was not appetizing enough. I didn't have anything to feed it. And so I like mashed up a hard boiled egg. What? And at a certain point, I, I was like trying to throw little egg. bits of hard boiled egg around. It would it was eating them. Okay, you must have been hungry. Yeah, I don't know if that's like the healthiest option for cats, well, but it, it was like the only not vegetable I had. So you know, it, it, beggars can't be choosers. Have you seen it again? Uh, no, I haven't. Again, I think I just failed on the food, and I think if I had like a delicious you know, can of fancy feast laying around. Well, I probably could stock, have been successful. Do a little stockpile. That's what I was thinking. I honestly, I, I wasn't prepared. I should have been prepared. I should have a little bit of cat food in my cabinets in the event oh. that a stray finally swings by. And I kind of blew it this time, it's but nice you have, you, you get your fix though. Yeah. It was really, um, a sweet cat. I probably have fleas now, but it was a really <laughs> nice, uh, little visit. It was made me feel really cozy. Well, that's that nice that it also was, receptive to being petted and oh yeah i mean I, you have to be very patient and slow oh yeah and it was it was a process you know i, I let the cat come to me and then once it did it was a little motorboat just purring as loud Aww. as could be well you like i uh, said you should come over soon and see my my kitties yeah i need to i still haven't met julian's cats. i know yeah well, we'll have a date maybe very very soon yes maybe we'll talk about it yeah well i also recommend to brett Perhaps get some Flonase because I discovered I am terribly allergic <laughs> to our cats. So basically, you should just deal with it. Yeah, have be on long term steroids right. like me. <laughs> I I also prepared a cozy location, so I may as well just throw it mm-hmm. in there. Um, we we talked about this a while ago, but then I forgot, so I have a little bit more prepared. I'll just throw it in real quick. It's El Tepeyac in Boyle Heights. It's a Mexican diner, mm-hmm. and they have the biggest burritos you've ever seen in your life. They're as big as your head. Okay, I'm sold. They have a challenge. You can buy a $20 burrito, and I, 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 f- I should have researched this more, but I think you get like you get your meal free if you finish it, but 
they're regular burritos are the size of your head. I don't even want to imagine what the challenge burrito looks like. The regular burrito is enough to feed comfortably two people. Wow. And did you guys split your burritos? No, we were monsters. We ate the whole thing. Each, I would, each I would our too. own. And we were, we just like came home and went directly to sleep. We were just completely stuffed. Mm-hmm. But it was such a cute place. It was it's all, it's family owned. You have they have all their grandkids graduation oh, pictures really cute. up in the kitchen and it's just families hanging out and having a great time. Is it and a how big is the restaurant? It's or small. It's really it's really okay. cozy. You walk in there's a a, a bar, diner bar. Is, is there is that, is that yeah, what you call it? Yeah, I think it? that's <laughs> I know the slang. There are some tables. You know, it's pretty small, but they, I mean they're very fast, so you're kind of in and out and it was total comfort food, so delicious, so over the top portions, obviously. Oh, I'm going to have to go. That's and great. um yeah, if you're in LA and you're on the east side, check it out. It's a really Good awesome pick. place. Yeah, I'm gonna make go this weekend. Yeah, check it out. All right, well, you got a little bit of a double dose there for old times' sake. But moving forward, we're just gonna yeah. do what's making us feel cozy this week. I think it's a good choice. I think it'll streamline. Yeah, because it. it's just I feel like you know it gets too repetitive. Yeah. And... Well, what we've been realizing is that when we have guests, especially our episodes become insanely long mm-hmm. because when everybody has to share. You know, what's making them feel cozy, a cozy location, and it's, then a celebrity. It's too crazy. You know, it adds a lot of minutes. So, you know, we don't want to burden you with a, an overly long episode. We're trying to keep it nice and Tidy. lean. Yeah. <laughs> so this is part of our effort to kind of streamline the show. And, you know, we're ever evolving. We're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our main segment. That is the uh, Nancy Grace, Haley Dean Mysteries. And we jumped right into the second entry. Yeah, I just kind of like the title. Yeah, it's called Death on the D-List. <laughs> it was just so silly I had to tackle it. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely mentioned a lot in the book. She's The words D-List are heavily featured. She mentions a lot of things multiple times. Right. We'll get into that. <laughs> um, but before we discuss the uh, story, would you be able to take a stab at summarizing what the plot is about? Sure. So it focuses on Haley Dean, who was a prosecutor, but she also dabbles in uh, psychology. She ran a practice. Um, She splits her time between Atlanta and New York City. She is from Atlanta. Nancy Grace is also from Atlanta. And the story mirrors a lot of Nancy Grace's own personal life. So Haley Dean has a murdered fiancé named Will, and Nancy Grace has a murdered fiancé. Named Bill? (laughs) <laughs> that would be something. No. I should make light of that. <laughs> well, it's really tragic. Well, there's some controversy with that as in, in itself. So, But but you're you're right to say it's very much modeled after her life. You have the, a murdered fiancé, a prosecutor from Georgia, who is now making an appearance as a correspondent on cable shows. Which Nancy Grace had her own show on HLN forever. And before um, that was a correspondent or a commentator on the Johnny Cochran show. Yeah, so, and Haley Dean's personality mirrors Nancy Grace uh, as well. You know, when Haley Dean goes on these talk shows, she's a spitfire. She doesn't back down. She says things to egg the other commenters on, commentators on, which Nancy Grace does in real life. So the personality is very, very similar, but the plot starts off with her going back to New York after a long stint in Georgia because she had murdered this lawyer... A defense attorney in her last case. Yeah, her last case with a dentist drill. Boy, does she remind you of it because... (laughs) Right in his head. She drilled right in his head. Drilled right in his head is repeated 
no fewer than four times. Going back to kind of what you started to say earlier, there are just a lot of repetitive passages in the book. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like the one that really stuck out to me the most is this dentist drill thing where it's like, and when I put that dentist drill to his temple and I, yeah, like, okay, so he, get it. he killed two of her patients. Yeah. So that it's very personal to her. So she goes back to New York after a long time recovering in Georgia after this traumatic incident. And the, she was accused of murder in the last case. They didn't suspect the lawyer at first. They suspected her because they were her clients who were murdered. And the police officer had tried to prosecute her for this murder or book her for this murder. So she is not speaking to him, but I think that's her love interest. So the police officer is trying to get back into her good graces. And suddenly these D-list celebrities start dying. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, they all have crazy names. Uh, it's Prentice Love. Leather Stockton. Leather, le- my, Leather Stockton is my favorite. Yeah. So they're all like bottom of the barrel D-list celebrities who maybe, yeah, were once... High up there. Fallon Malone. Fallon Malone. <laughs> they all sound like Dick Tracy villains. And these D-lists are all stars. Or, oh, and Cassie Lake. And so they're all... That one's kind of normal. Dealing with issues with like alcohol or just like trying to stay thin and relevant. Like all like the cliches of D-list celeb- celebrities are trying to climb back up, but they're their own worst enemies. So, um, and it jumps in between perspectives. That's what was kind of difficult for me because... There are so many different perspectives in this book. There's Haley Dean's. There's um, all. They go in the perspective of the the murdered victims. Yeah. Then they have your red herrings. You have all of your people who might have murdered these, these celebrities, and we go into their heads too. Yeah. And even one-off chapters going inside the heads of the tabloid news reporter who breaks the story to the photographer who gets a a photo of the body. I liked those passages because they give you a really sort of fascinating introduction to how those stories develop and how you get a picture of a dead body into a tabloid or how how things can break that way, obviously in a very stylized, over-the-top way. I liked the instinct to track that whole process from murdered celebrity to how that gets into the news and how people hear about it. Mm-hmm. I saw what she was going for, but I agree with you that it just shifted perspective so much. It's there was in the beginning of the book, you meet Haley Dean and you don't see her again for 10 chapters. Yeah. She's gone. You're just going into different one-off perspectives. And again, I can appreciate what she was going for, but you do lose track of the protagonist and you, for, you, you forget it's a Haley Dean mystery. Cause you're like, what happened to Haley Dean? She's totally missing. I know. And I think it's also another big, plot point that I think is important is she is she appears on the Harry Todd show yeah and the Harry Todd is like some sleazy aging talk show host right and there's a person who's always trying to book her on the show his name is Todd I believe or is he I couldn't I don't recall like the first Russell Ru- yes Russo I think was his last oh, yeah. name no Tony Russo yeah he's this guy from New Jersey um and he's always he's like a really kind of sleazy as well, but he can, he has a backstory, which he has a good heart because he had no friends in school. He just wants to be liked. Yeah. I think. So anyways, she appears on this show and the show is very connected to the whole, the whole book and her interactions with the staff on the show, mm-hmm. the person who owns the network. And what I thought was very interesting about this is Nancy Grace has perspective on all of like network television, how it approaches murder. Yeah. And I thought that this book was almost her critiquing herself. Yeah. 
because a lot of the she was, her, Haley Dean was very critical of how the network were handling the D-list celebrity deaths. Right. But Nancy Grace also handles them in the way she's criticizing. Yeah. So I thought it was almost like a screed on herself, yeah. which I thought was very surprising. And uh, I was almost appreciated it. Like, I think Nancy Grace is a character and I think her character does hurt people in real life and she should be held accountable for that. But at the same time, I don't think that she is the person that she people make her out to be. I think she's very aware of her role in this game. Yeah. And that she's a character. So that was interesting. But I guess I'll go into the the meat of it. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this book. I, it was sort of a, an emotional roller coaster for me because initially I was so thrown off by the perspective shifts in the opening chapters where it wasn't, I wasn't sure whose story I was reading because it kept jumping yeah. point of view, points of view. I couldn't get a read on Haley Dean. But as I kept reading, and even though I have gripes like there are just full passages that are repeated almost verbatim Mm -hmm. in different chapters, like the dentist drill, or she's always getting told by bystanders who are just around, like, thank goodness you did what you did. You know, you defended yourself, and and I respect that. She gets told that, like, three times, and it's, like, in the same way by Mm -hmm. a similar person. And And the cabs. She described New York City cabs a thousand times. Yes, and very detailed passages on how things look or the products people are using there's so much name dropping of like Mm -hmm. mcdonald's coffee is better than dunkin donuts coffee and it almost seemed like they were paid Mm -hmm. to the extent to which she you know mentions name brands but at the same time if you don't mention name brands sometimes that can be kind of hokey i so i get that tension but so I, i i initially those were kind of throwing me off but the more i read it the more i really was hooked on the character of Haley dean who was very capable and strong yeah, and no nonsense, very smart. And the world that she was in, I sort of wanted to see how it would turn out. I really like, as as, as much as I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, this was an amazing book and everyone should go out and read it. I I can't have to be honest. Like it it is what it is. It's it's not like, yeah, it's it's not, it's no no Dickens. You know what I mean? But I enjoyed it. Nancy Grace's <laughs> mystery series is no Dickens. It's no Charles Dickens, but I really did enjoy reading it. I yeah. looked forward to it. I completely tore through this book. I read it in uh, truly a matter of hours because it was so readable. Well, it was just compelling because I don't think a lot of cozy mysteries, and we don't know if that is it is can be considered one or not yeah. yet, but they don't have the depth of knowledge that Nancy Grace does and going in inside those networks and behind the scenes of that. I I could see another cozy mystery author attempting that, but uh-huh. since they lack the knowledge, it would just be so silly and ridiculous. Right. But I bet you the things that went on in that book, I'm sure it was toned down a lot actually happened. Yeah. Especially how when you have like a murder and especially the celebrity, it's like, get out, get out that info. TMZ's at the hospitals. Like it's not, it, it's very true to real life, but in a readable, right, interesting way. What took me by surprise is how funny this book is. Yeah, there was a lot of um, funny moments, especially with her comebacks to people. Oh, yeah. That and also the, the errant observation she would make. She was, there's a, a point, and there is a really conservative point of view to the novel. Yes. Um, that's unmistakable. Like, one of the murder suspects is a guy who lives in Louisiana and is obsessed with these D-list celebrities. And he is 
paranoid. And so he covers all of his windows with newspapers. People can't see in. There's a little line in there about how he uses the Washington Post because the New York Times is too thin of a paper to Mm -hmm. cover the windows. Little things like that. Little digs at the liberal media. Uh, I think at one point someone refers to... She's like going over the panels. Oh, "Oh, yeah. The the left wing nut job. The... (laughs) the prosecutor and it's like so there are little digs in there um also um, which were kind of funny and (laughs) there was and sometimes kind of mean there was like one point where she's like on one screen i noticed a bunch of fashionistas clapping at obese women walking the runway and it was like okay nancy grace (laughs) yeah you have thoughts well she also has thoughts about how quote-unquote the big apple (laughs) handles terrorists yeah she was like yeah even in the big apple terrorists get out on bail so you know she has a lot of thoughts on things also she criticizes men for crying (laughs) men can't cry Nancy Grace is not here for that. Well, I thought one thing that was particularly funny when she's talking about the death penalty, you got uh-huh. kind of got into how Nancy Grace works because she's like, yeah, I called the electric chair old Sparky just to get a reaction. Like mm. you can tell, like she likes to egg people on and she does so in this book too. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was funny too, that all the people who are fighting for justice aren't doing so because, you know, this is just their job. It's, they're a professional or they deeply care about it is because they had a personal tragedy that's motivating them to get revenge or make sure it never happens to anyone else again. And obviously we have the fiance Mm -hmm. death that Nancy Grace credits herself to becoming a prosecutor. Mm -hmm. Same thing for Haley Dean. Also that one of the detectives, his sister was murdered murdered, and that's the reason the detective. And so it's, it's all folded in as like everyone has a personal vendetta or I, I think my favorite funny moment in the book is, a really quick line that sort of read me as a person, which was this, she says like, Oh yeah, this person went on a diet and the only thing that stuck was the flavored uh, seltzer water. And it was like, okay, that's me and LaCroix <laughs> to a T. She read you, Nancy. She Grace. read me. She got it. It's very readable. I'm not going to say, again, I'm not going to say it's well-written. No. You know, Shakespeare. She's not, not Dickens, no. not Shakespeare. Yeah. But it, yeah sometimes she, the lines. Are just yeah. But she, so silly. she's sharp. And and when she's funny, she's pretty funny. And I think dialogue was her strong point. Her dialogue is her strong point. Everything ties together pretty neatly in the end. Mm-hmm. There, it, it doesn't, it's not playing on a level field. This is not a book that's going to give you clues and you can figure it out on your own. I was surprised. Were you surprised? I was surprised, but not, I'm not like, I'm not impressed by that surprise because mm-hmm. I wasn't given the information that I could have figured it out. That's this is, true. This isn't, this isn't one of those play along mysteries. This is a, I'm holding information back and I'm going to shock you. She's setting you up, and then she has a surprise for you in terms of who the murderer is. You you can't see it coming because sh- there's no clue to it. Yeah, you yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, and I know you like to play along yeah. a lot of the times, but sometimes it's also too obvious, and that's frustrating as well. So yeah, I think there's an interesting distinction to make that if you if you're not into the shockers, you want to play along, it's probably right. not for you. One errant thought I have is that. One of the murder suspects lights Yankee candles. Oh, yes. And she calls that out, too. Yeah, I remember that. And he was the... He's the wacko. He's the creepiest one. Living in Louisiana, and he's buying Yankee candles to light on his altars to these D-listers. I did note that. I'm like, oh, Matt's going to love that. Yeah, I did. did. (laughs) So I teased this earlier, and that was... We're going to get to the bottom of, would we classify this as a cozy mystery? And reading it, I felt like I wasn't so sure by the end how I would classify this. Mm. 
there are some rules. And so I went online and I ref- I'm using the cozy mystery definition as outlined by Huffington Post in their article. Uh, but then I also looked at other sources to kind of verify it. And, I, and these are consensus criteria for what uh, qualifies something to be a cozy mystery. And there are four criteria that, are, that primarily exist. One is that the protagonist is an amateur sleuth. The other is it has a distinctive setting, typically a small town. Third, there's a limited suspect list. And fourth, there's no sex, profanity, or violence. And so we're going to go down this list, and we're going to see if it meets the criteria for cozy mystery. Okay. And so let's start with amateur sleuth. Is, Is our protagonist an amateur sleuth? No. No. She is a experienced... Prosecutor. Prosecutor. Here's also one other... Actually, while we're on this, one criticism I had of the book, too was that I wasn't sure who she was supposed to be because she has this storied career as a prosecutor in Georgia. But then she also has patience because she's yeah, a therapist. That was strange And then she's also a, a talking head on cable. And it's like, where do you find the time? <laughs> she's consulting with the police. She's doing all these things. <laughs> well, I guess in the book, I wasn't so clear. Like, I think she ended her practice. Yeah. Um, after the murders. The right. Psych- psych- yeah, psychological. I don't know. How old is she that she has a second career, though? That's what I'm wondering, because yeah. how, long, how does she have such a long case history as a prosecutor, but is still pretty young and is a therapist? Well, that's the mystery of Haley yeah. Dean. <laughs> I couldn't figure that one <laughs> that out. That old Haley Dean. But in any case, she's no Joe Schmo no. In, out in the streets. She's very experienced. She knows the criminal mind. and From, from the bodies to the law. Yeah. She- she knows, yeah, she's very experienced in criminology and forensics. Yeah, forensics, for yeah. sure, yeah. So she's not an amateur, no. so it's not cozy on that front. She's not, you know, a librarian solving <laughs> murders, that's for sure. Two, a distinctive setting. I would say I would say yes for this because she goes to great lengths to describe New York City. Uh-huh. And then I liked her descriptions of Georgia, how yeah. the area always smells sweet there, and she's right. describing the flowers. So I think, yeah, it's not a small town, but... The setting is very distinctive, and she constantly reminds us of the setting. So mm-hmm. I would say yes. I'm going to say yes as well. I think even though it's the big city, yeah. and you know we kind of hop mostly between the New York area and L.A. And Louisiana. Um, and Louisiana. The settings are distinctive enough, and they're kind of limited enough. Usually you're in the studio with her or her apartment that it feels comfortable and cozy. Mm-hmm. And her apartment is described at length as well. And similarly, the apartments of the starlets who are murdered are very well described. Yeah, and, and the Hamptons too. Cozy, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, oh, these vacation homes sound lovely. I, yeah. I think that kind of had a quality where it's like, no, this isn't, you know, Tinker's Cove. It's not, like, adorable. But I, I did kind of want to, like, go to the Hamptons and be on vacation. So. Or live there in the off season. I know, right? So, yeah, I think let's give it that. So right now yeah. it's it's half and half. Number three, limited suspect list. Yes and no. Yes, because there's two red herrings. Yeah. And that's limited in scope. But the end villain, I suppose, was, was a big surprise. Yeah. And so in, since it was a big surprise, it could have been anyone. True. So, what do you think? I think I'm going to say yes, mm-hmm. limited suspect list, only because when you really count up the final suspects, including the surprise murderer, it's three people. That's true. 
all things considered, it's a pretty small list of suspects. Mm-hmm. And they all they all are characters you experience in the story. So they're not coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Entirely. Although the, the again, the last one is a surprise. So I I, I think this does fit that criteria. We're, we're not talking about somebody taking down a terrorist attack or like trying to find a serial killer who we never get inside the mind of or anything like that. It is very small in terms of the suspect list. Yeah, I'd say so too. All right. So right now it's more of a cozy mystery than mm-hmm. not. And then the final criteria is no sex, profanity, or violence. Well, that is a definite no, because <laughs> I also want to warn people, if you're not into... I guess, gore. Because she goes out of her way to describe how these people are murdered. She describes the moment the bullet enters them and how it... Every single murder, she tracks the trajectory of the bullet. Yes. How, like, from it it leaving the chamber to hitting the wall, like, you're going to hear about everything that happens to people's brains, to their their teeth, to their eyes. It's really graphic, and it's not cozy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not. When when one of the stars with her teeth were missing, I was like, "Oh, that's that took a turn." Yeah, even and she I really was a little seems horrified. To gleefully describe it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she does have that background, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but there's no sex. No, but there is a cavalier way that the violence is is discussed that kind of made my stomach turn a little bit. There's a line that I highlighted, which was. But who could possibly hate all three women enough to tear their brains out of their faces with a single shot? It's like lines like that where it's very violent. And it's very Nancy. And it's unnecessary. She could have said that in a different way, but she's like, tear their brains out of their faces. Well, you could ima- I could have totally imagined her saying that on her show. And I was just trying to imagine her voice in this. And yeah. That she- I read it in her voice and I imagined Haley Dean as Nancy Grace. There's no avoiding it. No. I just pictured her. Yeah. And it helped. <laughs> She wrote herself. It's, it's yeah, obvious. Yeah, pretty much. At first, I was like, okay, so who's ghostwriting these things? Because I didn't buy that Nancy Grace is, buy, is um, writing books. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, she's probably I, writing these Yeah. <laughs> Maybe with some help. but Yeah, it, some it, help. But it does feel like Nancy Grace, mm-hmm. for sure. So we're 50-50 again. We're kind of like at a stalemate. Yeah, because I don't know how else to categorize this, because I don't think it's a typical crime thriller. It's definitely more on the side of a traditional mystery. Mm-hmm. But there's just something a little cozy about it. It's kind of the limited scope of the world, the small cast of characters. I think it, it's it's such a tight little world that even though it's not in a small town, it feels like a small universe. And she mentions tea a lot. And she mentions tea a lot. They're just like a little, I don't know. It's like, to earn the set of caution, I would probably say it's not a cozy mystery because it is so graphic and it's violence and the way it describes these bodies and the profanity that's in the book. And so be warned about that. Don't. You, this is not a library lover's mystery. <laughs> There's like, a lot of sexualization too. Yeah. So. so it's, but that being said, it also doesn't feel like a hard-boiled mystery where it feels like f- fantastical enough and kind of, and maybe it's the glee with which she describes gore <laughs> that makes it almost feel lighthearted, but it doesn't, it just sort of feels kind of light and fluffy, even yeah. though it's pretty graphic and gross. Well, the name Haley Dean, like just yeah, exactly. so silly. <laughs> Sorry if you're named Haley Dean. <laughs> I don't know. There's so much silliness in it too, that the characters are so wild and over the top that it falls into cozy mysteries. This feels like a Hallmark mystery movie um, but that's of very a book dark. that's very dark. I'm in a weird position because 
I don't necessarily recommend this book, but I don't not recommend it. I, I, I guess just try it and see how you feel. Um, I, even saying try it feels like too much of an endorsement, but well, I, I enjoyed it enough. Yeah. I, I would read another Haley Dean. And actually, I, I, I said it's like a Hallmark series. It is a Hallmark series. There are six Hallmark movies based off of the Haley Dean mysteries. I think they're all not related to the books. I, don't, I haven't watched them. I don't know, mm-hmm. but there are way more movies than there are books. So I think they've just gone off and taken the character and put her in Georgia and she's just sort of practicing out Mm -hmm. of there. I like to read one set in Georgia. Yeah. I think that'd be more interesting. Probably even cozier. Probably the first one was like that, but now she's pretty firmly in New York. Yeah. And they set up the next cozy. Yeah. At the end. Oh, and that reminds me too. There is like one chapter where like they get into the mind of somebody who was in the last book. Yeah. And it was like, and you never hear from him again. And it's yeah. like, what? That's what I that? wonder. I thought he was going to pop out no. at the end. Right. No, never mentioned again. It's a little sloppy. There's some sloppiness. Yeah. But it was just something totally different. And that's why I wanted to do it because Nancy Grace, when you think of her, you don't like, Oh, what a cozy lady. And so I wanted to see how she would and, approach this. And genre. I still don't feel that way, but no, no, she is definitely not a cozy woman. And her book isn't... What I like about it is that she brings her depth of knowledge about the criminal world that's unique. And I enjoy listening to podcasts about people who host, like, former FBI profilers. Like, I like hearing about crime from someone who actually knows about crime. That's not not why you go to Cozy Mysteries, though. Right. But it's just... It's a nice change of pace. I liked her cruel sense of humor. (laughs) She? She could cut someone down. Like, you don't have to know anything about her. When you read that book, you're like, oh, I would not want to cross paths with her. not at all. She tears from limb to limb. (laughs) Yeah, how do you feel about Nancy Grace as a person? I know that she had some controversy with... I mean, I was reading her Wikipedia page, and it was like, she falsely accused... These 10 people of being murderers on the air, they were completely innocent. Which is something that she critiques in the book. Yeah. So that's what was so wild about this. You know, she is definitely a controversial figure. And like I said, I hold her accountable for the things, the bad things that she's done. And she's done a lot of bad things, I think, for the sake of ratings. She, I think, has trashed herself in a lot of ways where she does have this background and yet she degrades herself by you know, doing these flashy, ridiculous headlines about real life murders. And I think there are a lot of victims that she's caused additional pain to. But on the other side of that, she helps a lot of families and victims. Like she she has a podcast where she talks about cases that are lesser known. There's this yeah. one, cause I, you know, I, you know how I feel about true crime. Right. It's not just your big true crime story that I'm into. I'm into the whole kid and caboodle. <laughs> so... There's this woman, I guess, who she saw driving around Georgia because she lives there. Mm -hmm. And this woman's daughter had been murdered a bunch of years ago. But she got this van, which she has like flyers of her daughter. And so Nancy took notice and I guess got the mom on the show. And I had never heard of this case before. And she has conducted a thoughtful, considered interview with this woman. And I'm like, how can you do something like this and give a voice to someone whose voice is, you know... You don't hear about on shows or there's so many podcasts that take big stories and there's not enough of coverage of smaller stories like this. Um, And so how can you do something positive like that and then be a total trash bag on the other (laughs) side of it? So that's what's conflicting for me about her. You know, she is a smart woman and we need more smart, confident women like her because she goes to head to head with the men on her show and the commentators and all that stuff. But then yet, she makes a mockery of herself. 
So it's a long, my long-winded response to her. To the point where she's parodied so much in, in popular culture. Exactly. She's become sort of this caricature You in any movie, like in Gone Girl, and I mean, on SNL, she was parodied a lot, but like there's just that kind of tough, uh, sensational news reporter, and that's always her, like that, that cable, cable yeah. head, keep that talking head on from, from cable. And so, yeah, it's very, very frustrating because you could have been this strong, you know, respected woman, and yet you became yeah. a little, like I said, a, tr- a little trash bag. A little trash bag. <laughs> but uh, that's my long-winded response at Nancy. I have a lot of thoughts on that kind of stuff. Did she redeem herself at all when she's on Dancing with the Stars? Oh, geez. That was so long ago, wasn't it? I don't watch the show. I just saw that she was on it. Did you watch that season? No, I only did it. I only know that she was on that because I did this. Um, uh, like a, I had to do some research on her once and for some some article. And I think it was early in the early two thousands. Maybe she lost a lot of weight. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much everyone loses weight on that show, though. Yeah, it's like the thing. Yeah, my review is as mixed as mixed can be. Um, on, on Nancy as a person? No, oh. on the book. <laughs> I was like, oh. To be honest, totally. I don't have that much of an opinion on her as a person because I never really watched her show. And I just, I know that she sort of stands in for and probably is almost single-handedly responsible to, in a, to a large extent for the sensational oh, yeah. news around true crime. Um, and the, especially the way that like cases like Casey Anthony and, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Smart were, were reported and sensationalized in the, the news media. But I, I kind of almost exclusively know her through the grapevine as like that character. But I don't know her very well. I, I learned a lot from this book and kind of researching her biography. And there's some controversy too, which I think is I would love to know more about. But I don't know if she tried to scrub the info from the internet because... Apparently, she made it seem like her fiance, they didn't know who murdered him or they had, it took a long time to get justice for her fiance, but in reality, that wasn't the case. And yeah. she kind of sensationalized her own fiance's murder. Right. So, but I don't want to make allegations that I don't know about, but I think I wouldn't be surprised. You don't want to be a Nancy that. Grace yourself? I don't, I don't want to be Nancy Grace, Jillian Grace. I don't want to. I'm extrapolating based on what I've read and the just I get and from the brief amount of Nancy Grace I've watched in the past but she seems to essentially act like judge jury and executioner which is not a great no way to be in terms of no. a, a commentator no so. anyways but I thought it was an interesting thing a uh, different kind of book treat and so it's always neat to try something yeah I, I enjoyed it so take it for what you will yeah there are three Haley Dean mysteries at this point um and we read the second and yeah. I, I wouldn't rule out reading the third. So <laughs> yeah. if, if you've read these and, and or if you plan to and do read it, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, come to go to our Facebook group and join it. And then we can maybe start a thread about it because I just it's a really interesting series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. There's like it's just so unique and apart from anything that yeah. we've ever read. So it almost feels like to, more than you would expect sort of Nancy Grace herself opening up her world. Mm-hmm. kind of under this mask of Haley Dean. Yeah. And just like I said, I think the most compelling part for me is that she's cr- criticizing the things that she does, but with an open eye, it wasn't like she was seemed unwillingly un- unaware that she was doing a parody right. of herself. Like she, so that self-awareness, what I was very surprised about and I found interesting, but yeah, neither a, here nor it's there. It's a fascinating book. Yeah. If you read it, let us know what you think. 
the owl is here. That means it's time for Celebrities That Calm Us. Who Who will be discussed today on Celebrities That Calm Us. I will get us started. Mm-hmm. The celebrity that's calming me this week is Lucy Davis. She is a British celebrity who most recently is starring as Aunt Hilda in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, I love her. And so she's Aunt Hilda in that new Sabrina show. She was in Shaun of the Dead. I feel like also very cozily was Dawn in the British version of The Office. Seeing her in Sabrina especially, she's playing the cozy aunt. She's very sweet. She's so supportive of Sabrina. Yeah. She's kind of bumbling and just the most... Kind. Pure, kind-hearted witch. I like The Chilling Adventure of Sabrina so far. I'm enjoying it. I'm only two episodes in, so I... That's a, a different discussion yeah. for a different day. I, I'm not. I'm not ready to discuss the series yet because I'm so it's so early in. But what stood out immediately was her performance and her face, and I immediately recognized her. Like, oh, I remember her from those other things, and just how sweet of a person just radiates through the screen. You're I think like, you need that in a show like that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially because it's, it's a pretty dark series. It is. I was. I thought it was just going to be. I'm so. I'm so ridiculous. I thought it was going to be a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> So when I first started watching, I was like, oh, I, this is Yeah, so when all the, the serious occult stuff started, you're like, oh, where's Salem, the talking cat? <laughs> Pretty much. I was so confused. Yeah, it's definitely, it could not tonally be more different uh, from the Melissa Joan Hart Extremely different. sitcom. Which is kind of great, because we already have that. So it's nice to have a different take on the world. And um, yeah, I, I really love Lucy Davis. She's, she's a really funny, I, don't, I mean, I have no idea what she's like in real life, but her mm-hmm. persona on screen is so sweet and especially on that show she's the cozy heart of it like she's pretty much the only cozy thing in the show period so yeah she is my cozy celebrity this week that's a good pick she's definitely comic relief and yeah that's a good choice um i once again hope you didn't cover him but harry winkler henry winkler sorry henry winkler <laughs> i don't think so i think i think i think this is the harry. first time the, the fonz is mentioned henry for i'm so sorry to mr winkler um <laughs> But I, I think he stuck in my mind after he won, I believe it was the Golden Globe. For Barry. For Barry, yeah. yeah. And it was the first time he'd ever won. Yeah. And so he delivered extremely sweet speech, and he seemed very humble to have won. And yeah. And apparently he, he had dyslexia. Oh. And so, no, he, <laughs> yeah. And I, every single person or celebrity that's talked about him has said he's the sweetest man ever. I've heard I, that too, yeah. So... And he just comes across as a really sweet guy. And what I like about him is that he's humble in a true sense of the word, where a lot of celebrities, there's this whole, like, I think, trend of celebrities playing humble or relatable. Right. And it's so frustrating and to deal with it all the time because not, you know, writing about it or doing whatever. And so I'm just so jaded about that. But he truly comes across as a sweet, deserving man. And I heard this anecdote from Kenan Thompson that we've mentioned a billion times on this podcast now. Your cozy celebrity twice over. Well, Kayla, who was a guest on the show, yeah. told me that it was Justin's cozy Okay, pick. okay. So anyways, Kenan said that Mr. Winkler yeah. sent over a gift and sweet note to him after the Golden Globes because he was running or I guess competing against Kenan for the Golden Globe. Ah, uh. And so he said it was a most it was a very thoughtful and kind note. And that just shows I think his character yeah. going out of his way to pen a thoughtful note to his someone he was running against for a Golden Globe. It's been clear that he's a good sport um as far back as Scream when he played that principal. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I I feel like in general he's always been somebody who is really 
game for making fun of himself mm-hmm. and um, is very humble. He's a workhorse, and we love a workhorse yeah. here on All Things Cozy. And he's an, I think he's a good actor, too. Yeah. I, I didn't follow through with Barry to the end, and I wanted to because I like Bill Hader, but yeah. I just I didn't. But I, I appreciated um, his performance in that. I thought he was great in it and deserving oh, yeah. he, of the he award. Is, he is excellent in that role, as is Bill Hader. He just seems like a, a sweet man. That's a solid I, I use choice. that adjective a thousand times sweet, yeah. but he yeah. is. And he's a cute little guy. Cute little guy. Yeah. So. We love our workhorses and cute little guys <laughs> here on All Things Cozy. That brings us to our candle review. We are burning a... I'm so excited about this candle, by the way. I it's will such, give it a thousand wicks. It's such a weird find. This is a Trader Joe's candle. Really? Yes. How much did it cost? Can I ask? It cost $3. Okay. It was two ninety nine. I'll have to brave the horrible parking lots of Trader Joe's. I was when I saw it on the shelf. It was in their new product section. Mm-hmm. I got this like a month ago, actually. I don't know if it's still there, but I was like, Trader Joe's has candles. What the hell is this? And so I grabbed it because it, to me, it's it's just sort of curiosity. Yeah. Like, what is a Trader Joe's candle? I don't know. Maybe a listener can tell me that they've been doing this for a long time. This is the first one I've ever well, seen. It smells really good. And don't jump the gun, Jillian. I We're can't help it. I'm, I'm all amped up about this candle. It's Honey Crisp. Apple by Trader Joe's. And when I opened it, what initially hit me was, this really smells like an apple. And now that we're burning it, it still really smells like apples. A nice like, orchard. Like a nice orchard. It doesn't smell fakey. And it's a clean scent. It's a clean, crisp scent. And I'm shocked. I'm shocked too, especially that it's $3. It's a sizable candle. It's not a little ditty. It's not a little ditty for two ninety nine. <laughs> I. It's reasonable. You know, Trader Joe's does it again. <laughs> I wish they would bring back the food I like. They keep taking things away. I know. Away. They always take things away, and it's so frustrating. There's these vegan chicken nuggets. Yeah. They're the best vegan they're gone. chicken nuggets. Yeah, they're gone, and they're coming back. Even uh, we had suntan lotion. Suntan. I would say suntan lotion. It's sun- <laughs> I don't I don't get out there and <laughs> tan. Got chicken nuggets to suntan lotion? Well, they, they have sunscreen, <laughs> and... <laughs> This is a product my mom used to tan a lot when my I was mom a little too. kid. She would baby oil And she would always herself. say like, oh, can you grab the suntan lotion? And it really was suntan, suntan lotion at the time. It was the 80s. Anyway, so yeah, early my 90s. My mom was tan as a... Yeah. Tan <laughs> as a... I didn't know what I was going to say after co- that. Cooks as, turkey. Yeah. Yeah. And so to this day, I'm always saying to my partner like, hey, uh, did, you, did you get the suntan lotion? It's like, what? <laughs> Sunscreen. Yeah, the sunscreen's not stocked there anymore. I had to get a different brand, but yeah, anyway, really no one cares about but that. But I hope but, they don't take this away. Yeah, they they will. But uh, if it's still around, check it out. The Honey Crisp Apple. It I'm is, going to. It is a cheap candle, and it's a clean appley scent. It's as apple as apple can it's get. It's so fresh. It's almost. It's like an, it's invigorating. To be yeah. honest, you've been bouncing off the walls since you burned this candle. If if Jillian has sounded or seemed different this podcast, it's because of this. Uh, of this I'm candle. buzzing off this candle. This Honey Crisp Apple. Well, it's very sweet. Yeah. I, w- I was, I mean, sweet as in <laughs> It's sweet. It's wicked. <laughs> it's tubular. I like it. <laughs> I love the idea of you sincerely saying, this is a sweet candle. Not in terms of scent, but <laughs> in terms of being sweet. I can't pee my pants. J- Jillian, J- <laughs> Jillian wrote here on our skateboard. <laughs> um, I had too much coffee as it is. Don't <laughs> take me over the edge. <laughs> Two weeks up, I think. Yes, I love this candle. <laughs> <laughs> Loves it so much she's gonna pee her pants. Yeah, well no, I'm going to definitely buy this because the Trader Joe's parking lots are a nightmare, but oh. I'll I'll park out a few blocks away to get it. Yeah. A, a total surprise. Well, that about does it for today for us. Before we go, I do want to shout out two listeners. 
the first is at Evelyn Arches for winning our fall giveaway. Um, Thanks to everyone who entered. And, and thank you to everyone who entered. We read each one. It really warmed our heart and it, it meant so much, your kind words. And just getting the word out about our podcast, it really does help when you post about us and share us with your friends. You know, we can, you know, sh- spread the gospel of all things cozy, mm-hmm. um, get your friends involved. And I, re- I really am just so in love with the community that we've developed most of all it's so cozy so I, nice. love, I love checking out our facebook group you know join that group if you haven't yet it's a great group of people um and thank you to everyone in that group who posts and we really appreciate you and i also want to shout out a review we got another five star review by buff gal and she's not a buffalo she's not she's not a buffalo what <laughs> by <laughs> she's, not, she's not a bodybuilder oh my god i want to say she's not a, she's not a buffalo and she's not a bodybuilder uh she's from buffalo She's a Buffalo gal. Okay. Okay. And she wrote, I randomly downloaded the episode because I love Hocus Pocus, but I was so surprised and happy when I heard the praise from my hometown. Buffalo does have delicious food, lovely seasons, and is the coziest place to be when you're snowed in. Thanks for the Buffalo. The podcast Aww. was super fun, and I can't wait to listen to more. Isn't that the sweetest thing yeah, ever? Yeah, it's Buffalo. Yeah. Again, like, check out Buffalo, New York. It is a really cozy place with amazing food. So... A really underrated city. A really sweet review. Thanks, thanks, Buff Gal, for your five star review. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We hope you still. We hope you're still listening. <laughs> hope we haven't turned you off after that Hocus Pocus episode. But um, you liked it enough to write a review. Yeah, and it does mean a lot to us. Um, if you could take a moment and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we always appreciate it. Check us out on Instagram. We're at All Things Cozy Podcast on Instagram. We're on Facebook at the at All Things Cozy Podcast. Well, we hope to hear from you, and thank you for trying something new with us. Yeah, th- thank you for trying something new with us, and we're excited to send these Hallmark movies out to the winner. Maybe a bit, some more giveaways in the future. Yep, so stay tuned. We will be back next week with our Thanksgiving episode, so leave room for dessert. Oh, God. And stay cozy. Bye. Bye.